The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to Disney Deciphered, a podcast helping you save money, time, and stress as you plan your Disney vacation. On today's episode, we talk about the Genie Plus tips and strategies that I learned on my trip with my slow, non-rope-dropping, late-rising family. Find all episodes of this podcast at DisneyDeciphered.com or anywhere you find podcasts, and we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us positive reviews on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can check us out on Patreon.com slash DisneyDeciphered for bonus content, or you can use me as your travel agent at no cost to you. If you'd like me to help you plan your trip, get started by emailing josephchung at travelmation.net. You can connect with the podcast with questions anytime, DisneyDeciphered at gmail.com, at www.deciphered on Twitter, or you can find us on Facebook and Instagram, DisneyDeciphered. Cipher. Thanks and enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Joe from As the Joe Flies. And I'm Leslie from Trips with Tykes. Welcome back to Disney Deciphered. So I was at Disney World with my family during apparently a week that was even busier than Christmas, President's Week, last week as we are recording this. And so we have a lot of episodes that we are going to have about that trip. Today's episode, we're going to talk about Genie Plus tips for non-rope dropping families. And I would throw in a corollary, also Genie Plus tips for when it's super crowded, because it really was crowded, Leslie. I, I don't know. We didn't talk as much as we normally do on one of our trips just because I was so busy with my family. But what were your impressions of what the crowds and just the whole situation was like from uh, afar? Yeah, it looked pretty rough. I mean, I could just see from the Genie Plus return times and just sort of the Twitterverse, like people were talking about how crowded it was and how Disney World was really getting slammed. And I think the timing was kind of the perfect storm. I mean, that's already a busy week, but I think a lot of folks were probably seeing the public health conditions rapidly improving and gambled on that or, you know, decided to keep their trips who maybe canceled at Christmas or something like that. So it looked rough. And, and Disneyland, it's, it looks pretty bad too, but nowhere close to the same ballpark as Disney World. All right. So we are going to talk about the Genie Plus tips that we have for non-rope dropping families like my family. You know, we generally were rolling into the parks at 10, 11, sometimes even like 1, 2 p.m. Uh, before we get to that, we want to thank some of our patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, I did a ton of trip reports uh, for all of our patrons while I was there, live trip reports. You can check us out on patreon.com slash Disney Deciphered. You can subscribe monthly to receive bonus content, or you can also leave a one-time donation. We had a bunch of patrons last month. Thank you so much, everyone. So we're going to split it up over a couple episodes. Leslie, who are we thanking today? All right. Today, we are thanking our new patrons, Melissa DC, Andrea T, and Sharon H. Thank you so much for supporting the podcast. We really just appreciate your support and are excited for more things to come in 2022. Indeed. All right. So before we get to the tips that I learned or kind of some of the things that worked for our family over my trip, in case this is your first Genie Plus episode that you're listening to, we know we have a bunch out there. Leslie, give us the quick Spark Notes, Cliff Notes version, depending on what generation you were born in, version of how Genie Plus works. Plus, there was a couple of 
Genie Plus changes that happened at the very tail end of my trip. So update everyone on those things, please. All right, so basic Genie Plus rules. You can get a new Lightning Lane reservation with Genie Plus every two hours, or if this happens earlier, if you tap into an attraction you already have booked. So that's sort of the general parameters of how Genie Plus works now. And it's separate from what we call individual Lightning Lane or paid Lightning Lane, which are a couple of attractions in each park that you have to pay for separately. They don't participate in Genie Plus, even though they have a Lightning lane entrance. And there have been some recent additional changes to individual Lightning Lane. It used to be that there were two attractions in every park at Walt Disney World on it, but Disney has now moved a single attraction in three of the four parks from individual Lightning Lane to Genie Plus, if that's not confusing enough. So more attractions are now on Genie Plus, fewer are on paid Lightning Lane. And the three attractions that have moved are Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway in Hollywood Studios, Frozen Ever After in Epcot, and Space Mountain in Magic Kingdom. And that goes until August 7th. So for all of the spring and summer and maybe beyond, we shall see. Yep. And just a quick reminder, Genie Plus is $15 a day per person plus tax. You can add it to the length of your ticket or you can buy it one day at a time at midnight the day you want to use it. If you want to check out our old Genie Plus episodes, 193, 195, and 199 are the ones that you want to check out. So I want to start by answering the question, did we even need Genie Plus for this week? And I will say unequivocally, yes, for my family. It was a super busy week. Touring plans, I went back to check the crowds and every day it was between 8 and 10 at every single park. There was nothing lower than an 8 for overall crowd calendars and I don't think there was anything lower than a 7 for like individual parks. Um, but I saw, you know, a f- quite a few tens last week. And then, like I said, reports are that it was busier last week than it was during Christmas. So it was very, very busy. I will quote a client of mine who I was talking to about Genie Plus, uh, Dennis. He said, quote, $60 a day for less whining and complaining. I'd probably pay that for a random weekend at home. Um, so, end quote. Thank you, Dennis, for that quote. I don't know, Leslie. I, I do think that it's a pretty good deal. $75 for my family, but still pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I guess he's not factoring in the thousands of dollars you paid before that for this random weekend at Disney World. But no, I totally agree. I mean, the additional marginal cost is so small based upon what you're paying to be there that if it's going to give you a smoother experience, especially with kids, which, you know, can be tough enough, then it seems well worth it to me. I'd rather skimp on like some other aspect of the vacation. Yeah, I think... uh in economics, they call that concept sunk costs, you know, so thousands Indeed. of dollars you've already spent <laughs> are already sunk, so the, might as well spend throwing, extra. Throwing good money after bad, something like that, yeah, too. Yeah, I, um, but uh, real talk, example wait times that I was looking, I was seeing 60 to 100 minutes for Toy Story Mania regularly, 30 to 40 minutes for Alien Sterling Saucers, which, of course, you know is my favorite ride. Little Mermaid queues at Magic Kingdom were 30 to 40 minutes, like, all day from, like, 11 to 6 p.m. It's a Small World and Winnie the Pooh were pushing 30-plus minutes all day. You know, even rides like Magic Carpets of Aladdin were running 20 to 30 minutes all day. And Haunted Mansion, Jungle Cruise, 60 to 100 minutes all day. Epcot was a mess, except for the Finding Nemo ride. Everything was 30-plus Test Track and Soren were like 60 plus regularly. And Animal Kingdom, everything was above 30 starting at like 10 a.m. for the entire day, except for Kali River Rapids didn't start filling up until noon. So if you just listen to some of those wait times, I mean, it was really crowded. I really feel like we needed Genie Plus. For my kids, they are 
too spoiled. Only one of them is capable of waiting in queues without complaining incessantly in general. So I ended up almost exclusively using Genie Plus Lightning Lanes for our rides. However, if my family had been less whiny, we could have done Genie Plus Lightning Lane and then wait in a queue for 40 minutes and then switch back and forth and we could have done more rides that way. But, you know, as it was, we got a lot of attractions done and it was a lot less stressful. Question for you, Leslie. It is very clear to me that more people are buying Genie Plus right now. What are you thinking about how much that's going to affect both the Genie Plus lines and the standby return times with you know more people purchasing it? Yeah, I mean, of course, I think it's going to hit both. And I think it's going to make your sort of wait with Genie Plus a little bit longer. It's going to make it harder to get those Genie Plus reservation times. You'll be able to get fewer of them. But I mean, I think the bigger impact, and this has been the case with FastPass, you know, for all of near-term Disney history, the bigger effect is that Genie Plus or something like FastPass hits standby more. So if you just have, you know, a few extra people people in that Genie Plus line using that system, it makes the standby line that much longer because I think there's some data that for every eight people that go through from Genie Plus, they pull one person from the standby line. So you add nine people (laughs) into the Genie Plus line, you you change those ratios a little bit, and that really makes the standby line a lot longer. But yeah, I mean, it seems clear to me that certainly you can count on more people buying Genie Plus on a busy holiday weekend. I'm not sure what will happen necessarily long term on slower periods of time? Are people going to sort of try to aim for those if they're the, t- the kind of travelers who don't buy Genie Plus? I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Definitely. But it does feel like people are realizing that for most families, you're going to need Genie Plus to kind of grease the wheels of your Disney vacation. Quick shout out to Defunct Land, which is a YouTube channel. They had a very fascinating documentary on FastPass. You can just go to YouTube and search Defunct Land FastPass, and they will go through all the nerd data that you want to hear about why stuff like Genie Plus at FastPass, ExpressPass at Universal increase the standby wait times for everyone else. Yes, it was probably my favorite thing that I ever watched in all of 2021. So, so good. And I guess I'm a major nerd, Joe. Well, that's why we do the podcast together because uh, (laughs) birds of a feather, you know. That's true. All right. So let's get to some of the tips, some of the stuff that I learned on the trip. The first one is just kind of a reminder. You really need to have good Wi-Fi, especially at 7 a.m. On a busy week like we had, you are competing with the Disney servers, which already do not have enough servers to start with. And you're competing with all the people making requests of Disney servers. I'm not going to go through a 101 of how the internet works. But the bottom line is the better your internet is, the better chance you have of getting through to those servers. I mean, I had days where the app completely did not work. Like on Tuesday, it was an Epcot day. The app kept asking me to like re-log in and it was very frustrating. And it was definitely because the servers were slammed. I talked to some other people who were in the parks that day and they had reported the same thing. In the room that we were staying in in the Boardwalk Inn, I would say the Wi-Fi was good, but not great. Uh, Same with our cell reception. It would have been better, I think, if I'd gone outside to get better reception or found better reception. However, as we'll talk about later, the fact that you're doing this at 7 a.m., it is not realistic, at least for me as a person, to wake up at 6.50 every single day on vacation and put clothes on and go outside to find good service. So I decided to just deal with whatever service I could get in my room. Listener Danielle reached out to me and this kind of supports what I'm saying here and said that there was way less glitches with the app before the crowds came because she was there the week before and she was there during part of President's Week. And so... I really think that when it's busy, you want as good Wi-Fi as possible in the morning if you're willing to, you know, leave your room, which I happen to not be. 
Yeah, I left my room at the Disneyland Hotel last year to get a virtual queue. I mean, I had to. I didn't have service inside my room. It was that bad. Yeah, I would say definitely speed test your Wi-Fi and your cell data service from your room, like probably from where you'll be sitting. (laughs) I did that the night before, and you can sort of see how bad it is and decide whether you're going to use Wi-Fi or cell data and decide whether it's worth it to you to put on clothes and leave your room. But it was for me one time. I can't say I'm going to do that on every day of a Disney World vacation. Or find a very good friend who is sitting at home on their own Wi-Fi, <laughs> preferably in a time zone in the future. So it's not even 7 a.m. For, 7 a.m. for them. You know, maybe I can do it for your Disneyland trip, Leslie, you know, because I'll be doing it at 10 a.m. That's probably the most surefire way to get the best reception. Exactly. The next tip ended up being pretty huge. I realized and later I was like looking around some forums and found that people had discovered this on their own. But I discovered this on my own with before I even saw the forums at 717. And I would say I think it's actually at 717 and 30. 30 seconds, at least for now. Uh, and it was still working as of this morning. We're recording about a week before this episode is going to come out. At 7.17 and 30 seconds, there is a consistent drop of individual lightning lanes. So that is for Rise of the Resistance, Flight of Passage, Remy's Ratatouille Adventure, and Seven Dwarfs Mine Train. It almost feels like they dropped two-thirds of what's going to be available at 7 a.m. And then they drop the rest of them at 7.17 a.m. Because you can pick any time from 9 a.m. till the end of the day at 7.17. And so I actually found out that it was better to pick up individual lightning lanes, which we bought a lot of, at this 7.17 a.m. drop. So that was really huge and helpful for us, especially because it's great for two reasons. Number one, less people are competing with you at that time. And so there's more options. So you have like a little bit more time. You have like a minute or two instead of like 15 seconds. And then the second thing is, I guess it's the same thing, but another side of the same thing. Since less people are competing, the servers are way less slammed. Like I never had any app issues or server issues at 717 when I was picking up these individual lightning lanes. And I guess you could say that a third thing is because we were not rope dropping, this gave me a chance to find an afternoon time that worked best for our touring plan. So I guess that's three things total. Now, the Genie Plus Lightning Lanes, Disney seems to drop an extra amount of them from like sometime between 7.08 a.m. and 7.15 a.m. The bottom line is for the individual Lightning Lanes, you can pick them up at 7.17. And for the Genie Plus Lightning Lanes, you're going to see more appear from like 7.08 to 7.15. So just keep refreshing for that first 15 to 20 minutes. So you're not only waking up at 7 a.m., you're going to stay from like 7 a.m. to like 7.30 and you should be able to get a better time. But that was a really clutch thing to realize on the trip because I want to say I got one individual lightning lane or maybe two at 7 a.m. and I got like six or seven at 7.17. Got it. I know you mentioned to me the first time you bought individual lightning lane at 7 a.m. it actually changed the return time on you till much much later in the day from what you had clicked. So I'm wondering whether that's less likely to happen during this 7.17 drop as well because like you say this time stick around a little bit longer. Yeah, the first day I tried to get Flight of Passage, I clicked on like 11 a.m. time. And by the time I had clicked through, it pushed me all the way to 6 p.m. This was at 7 a.m. For the rest of the week, I wasn't getting exactly 11 a.m., but I was only getting pushed like one to two hours. So it would be like 12 or 1 or 2 p.m. So at 7.17, yes, there was that advantage of not getting your times pushed as far back as well. So a good call there. This is a good time to kind of remind people how to refresh the app to look for new times. Can you uh, remind us how you do it on an iPhone or the two ways you can do it on an iPhone? 
So the way that I use most often is from the tip board, you simply drag down and that refreshes the entire screen and you see return times there and then. And the other option is to go to the individual attraction and tap on the LL button. And then that attraction is at the top of your tip board for refreshing. Couple different options, just figure out what works for you, try it out beforehand and figure out what just sort of is, is more natural. That LL thing was what I used to do, but midweek, for some reason, I think they updated the app or something that stopped working for Android. So I was forced to just drag down the tip board. That made me have to select the attractions I was interested in in my Genie Day to make sure those were at the top of my tip board. So if you're an Android user, make sure you bear that in mind. The bottom line is just keep refreshing, keep looking for new times until at least 7.30 before you give up and stick with what you have. Now, the next tip that I have, and this one is a big one, you need to make sure your lightning lanes actually take. And again, this is something that is a function of the Disney servers. My first day, I thought I had Kilimanjaro Safaris for 11 a.m., which is when I wanted it. I clicked through, and then I think I was just like excited that I got it, and then I went to the bathroom or something. And then when I came back, of course, my phone had turned off, the screen had turned off, and you know, in my head, I was just like, oh, I have Kilimanjaro Safaris. But then at 8.20, when I was like walking into the park, I looked, and my tip board was saying, you might want to book Kilimanjaro Safaris. And I was like, what are you talking about? I did book that. What happened was, I think something happened with the server, and my Kilimanjaro Safaris lightning lane did not take. So I ended up getting one, but it was like way later in the day and it totally messed up our touring plan that first day. So really make sure your landing lanes actually take. Click through, make sure you see the screen where it's confirmed, and then go back to my genie day or view my day to make sure that that lightning lane was there. Uh, because, you know, I got really burned by that. And that was super annoying. Yeah, that's unfortunate. And I remember at least the last time I did it at Disneyland with some friends, there seemed to be one extra screen beyond what everybody was expecting to sort of click all the way through. So this definitely happened to to some folks I know at Disneyland as well. So it may just be that whatever the intuitive, like it should take this many steps, it takes one more than that. So maybe uh, double check that as well. I mean, I, of course, haven't done it myself in the park at Disney World. I mean, I've done it for you, Joe. But yeah, it's really important to just make sure you have that confirmation. And like you say, given the stress on the IT system, uh, make sure you don't get glitched out as well. Yeah, that's a good question, Leslie. Where were you for me last week? Come on, I could have used you. Uh, I three, three hours before on Pacific time. Sorry, Joe. Uh, I love you, but not that much. <laughs> I, I need to move. I need, I need, I need you to get a transfer to Europe or something like that. And then, you know, you'll just be getting my lightning lanes in the afternoon for yourself. Yeah. There's a market there. Somebody in London that you, you should sell this. This is a, an option. <laughs> indeed. Indeed. But you got to do it on the down low. Otherwise Disney will uh, shut you down. So That's be right. Careful. <laughs> Okay, so the next tip is the value of tapping in before two hours. Again, my family couldn't do this because we were slow. But if you can get a lightning lane return time that is within the first two hours of park opening, it really puts you ahead of the curve of the rest of guests. Most guests are like my family was, which was we would book a later return time to start with. And then we couldn't book our second lightning lane until two hours after the park opened. And then what you will see if you're looking at your tip board at, say, 11 a.m. on a Magic Kingdom day that opens at 9, between 11 a.m. and like 
7.03 a.m., return times will jump by like three hours. Or you'll even see attractions sell out. At Hollywood Studios, it's even worse. So if you can book a return time for like 10 a.m., tap into that attraction, and then book your next lightning lane attraction right there at 10 a.m., you're going to have way more choices. And again, you're going to have a faster return time. And so you'll keep staying ahead of that two-hour curve. So that's something that I realized I wasn't able to take advantage of because of just the pace that we were traveling at. But if you can get one of those earlier lightning lane return times, big winner right there. The next tip is a corollary to that. And that is, unless you are doing it before the park opens, just don't cancel your lightning lanes. You just kind of have to take what you got. And the reason why is because if you cancel your lightning lane, it's going to reset that two hour clock. So unless you can cancel it for a time that you're going to be able to like check into before two hours, uh, it really resets your clock. And it's, it's, it's actually really annoying, Leslie, because, you know, for example, that Kilimanjaro safaris that I got at like 3 p.m. when I want, had wanted it at 11 a.m. Even if I had wanted to try to move it to sometime earlier, I was already like past my second lightning lane time. So if I canceled that Kilimanjaro Safaris, I wasn't even going to be able to rebook it. I had to cancel, you know, because your lightning lane is based on the last one you booked. So I guess to make this more clear, I booked Kilimanjaro Safaris at 3 p.m. That was the first lightning lane I had booked. And then at 10 a.m. I booked... I think Cali River Rapids or something at 12. Well, when I saw an earlier Kilimanjaro Safaris landing lane pop up, even if I canceled my 3 p.m. Kilimanjaro Safaris, I wasn't going to be able to book a new one because Cali River Rapids was the last lightning lane I booked. So that was super annoying. Bottom line, try not to cancel your lightning lanes unless it's before park opening, because if it's before park opening, you're not resetting your clock at all. Yeah, that's a real bummer. And that really sort of takes away some of the skills that I guess we had from back in the fast pass days where you could kind of do the fast pass refresh trick. Well, <laughs> a lot of the time now that's just going to end up penalizing you, especially as if you say you had a later booked intervening Genie Plus reservation that would sort of make the earlier one moot. Yeah, it was super annoying. I think I understand like fundamentally why they have the system be based on the last landing lane you booked. However, it just feels like common sense would say, if I have Kilimanjaro Safaris booked, no matter whether that was the last lightning lane I booked or not, I should be able to modify that to an earlier Kilimanjaro Safaris time. They just really need to create a modified button for Genie Plus lightning lanes. It would just be so much more user-friendly for that. And while we're at it, park reservations too, but at least for the Genie Plus lightning lanes, if you could modify it for the same attraction, then I think that would just make life easier for everyone and it probably would make the park more efficient as well yeah totally agree so disney if you're listening please modify now that i said that i realized what i maybe should have done and that is my next tip use the blue umbrellas the guest experience teams to your advantage what i realized on the trip is that you know if they have a shorter line and if you talk to them about what is going on and you had an issue generally if you ask them they are pretty good at at kind of helping you out and making things work out. So one issue we had was that flight of passage return time ended up being at like 6 p.m. We weren't even planning to be at the park after 4 p.m. I went to guest experience team, the blue umbrella, and they were like, okay, we'll just refund this for you, which I didn't realize I think people have said online that they will not refund things, but I saw the slip of paper they had me fill out for the refund, like five families in front of me. Uh, I did wait in line for this particular Blue Umbrella experience, but five families in front of me had filled out the same slip. So it seems like they're willing to give refunds in extenuating circumstances or if something happened, especially maybe because it was that busy week. So I got a refund for Flight of Passage. And then two other things that happened were one time we went to go ride Splash Mountain, like we went to Magic Kingdom 
expressly for the purpose of riding Splash Mountain for the first time for my kids. And Splash Mountain went down while we were on the bus. And so I talked to Blue Umbrella then, and they gave us a Splash Mountain return lightning lane for like the next three days, which was great, even though... Uh, we ended up not being able to get to use it because Magic Kingdom was so difficult to get to. And then another thing that blew, the Blue Umbrellas were able to help us out with, there was this one time where we uh, had two Toy Story Mania lightning lanes and my daughter was just in the stroller asleep for a nap. And so I was like, let me see if I can get a third one because she'll want to go when she wakes up. And I asked the Blue Umbrella team, this was later in the day, and they were happy to give us an extra Toy Story Mania lightning lane. So they're pretty nice there. They can't always do things. Uh, they can't always help you out. But if you ask them for help about something that went wrong with Genie Plus or your individual Lightning Lane, the worst they can say is no. So I had pretty good experiences with them throughout the week. Oh, and one last tip. If you can bring screenshots to the Blue Umbrellas, that is very helpful as well. That's good to know. All right, Joe. So I want to hear about your strategy for phone usage and what your, your tips are. I mean, I know on a busy weekend, like every second counts. So I assume you were using two phones. How did you best navigate that? Well, for uh, marital harmony, the first tip I will give is I did not make my wife get in on this and I just let her sleep at 6.50 a.m. every morning. So if you're in a family like mine, just let your partner sleep. It's okay. You're just going to have to deal with it on your own. So that's what I did. I don't know if uh, your husband would get involved, but you know, I was like, you can continue to take the morning off. My husband gets up when it's essential, like he definitely did in the virtual queue days. I mean, he, he loves a good hack, so he'll get involved in that. But like the last day of one of our trips, he was fine to just let me sort of try two phones while he slept. Yeah, I was uh, the poor man's VIP tour. So I had one phone in each hand, my wife's phone and my phone. And what I had originally started doing was Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway was still individual lightning lane while I was there until the last day. So I would be doing Mickey and Minnie's with my right hand on my phone and then Rise of the Resistance on my left with my wife's phone. What I found was because of all the internet issues, I couldn't control like which one got through. And so in that example, I actually got through on Mickey and Minnie's, but I didn't get through on Rise of the Resistance. And of course, Rise of the Resistance is the one that's harder to get. What I realized was because of the 717 thing, that later in the week really freed me up to just focus on one phone at a time, or even if I was using two phones, just one attraction at a time, because I knew that I could pick up the next attraction at 717. So the fact that they have been dropping more return times, both for individual landing lanes and GD Plus later in the day, allowed me to just have two phones going for the same thing instead of having to do one for each. And so I found that worked better for me. It really gets tricky to coordinate times and stuff, especially later in the week, we started like going 301 stuff and I got like Slinky Dog Dash for like half my family and Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. This is on the last day when it was Genie Plus for the other half of my family. With those later drop times or like the redrops between 7 and 7.15, 7.20, uh, that really allowed me to kind of set up the day for both halves of my family. So I found that I was able to split up my family using the two phones. And even I probably could have done it using one phone as well. In an ideal world, you put one parent in charge of each phone and each parent has a goal for which ride they're getting and possibly which ride they're getting for which half of your party. But, you know, I was operating on my own and it ended up working out okay. All right, last tip, Leslie. As you may uh, gather from following my trip and also just from hearing about everything, I was exhausted. I think I am still exhausted. It's been five days. Waking up at 6.50 a.m., every day, part of my French sucks. Okay. 
That's, that's the only that's the only way you can say it. Don't you wake up that time like every day at home for work? Yeah. <laughs> well played, Leslie. Well played. Like I said, that I'm sucks still tired. too. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. I, like that, I'm getting paid to do. Okay, theoretically, yes. But wait, okay, wait. Let me rephrase. Waking up at six fifty a.m. every day on vacation, all right, is all not right. ideal. Okay. <laughs> Good save. Good save, Joe. I really regretted not scheduling in an off day. And the way my brain is wired, because we had tickets for every day, I did not allow myself mentally to take an off day. Obviously, I realized that it's just a mental issue that I should have gotten over. But I would say either take an off day from the parks completely, don't buy a ticket for one of the days that you're there, or at least take an off day from Genie Plus. Like if you're focusing on eating or something, or if you have extra evening hours, you know, maybe you have a day where you're just focusing on the kids' ride. So you can get the lightning lane at 8.30 a.m. for like, I don't know, like a 12 noon or even 2 p.m. Peter Pan or something like that. Just take an off day. Even though I went to bed at like 7.30 again after waking up at 6.50 to do all these lightning lanes, it was just really tiring to do it. And you really need that off day for yourself if you're the one booking these Genie Plus lightning lanes. And even if your family's sleeping in, they'll be happy not to hear the alarm every morning because, you know, that'll disturb their sleep regardless of whether they're waking up or not. Fair enough. And now I'm wondering what I should be doing because we haven't mentioned this yet, but I think I'm headed to Walt Disney World in a couple of months for my trip. So now I'm rethinking how many days of tickets I have tended bought. <laughs> I should also add that the thing that really compounded it was being with the entire family. Yeah. Right? Because if it's just me, obviously, I can take a nap whenever I want in the afternoon. If it's just me and one kid, we can sync our schedules enough. But having five different schedules to work with, people taking naps at different times, wanting to go to the pools at different times, like there was no off time in terms of just like actually parenting or like uh, husbanding. I'm always like trying to find food for five people, always trying to help people like get to where they want to go, et cetera, et cetera. So I do think that if you end up you know, with only, I know you're considering, you know, just taking one kid or even maybe two, I think it'll be a different situation. It's those, it's those spouses that really throw the wrinkles into the mix, Leslie. So (laughs) you may be able to look at me already, not taking my own advice. I'm like already advising you not to take an off day. I take it back. (laughs) Take an off day, Leslie. All right. At the very least, take a, take an evening day where you uh, don't book Genie Plus in the morning or something like that. You know, or not till 9 a.m. or 8.55 a.m. or whatever. All right. Fair enough. All right. All right, Joe. Well, let's uh, close this out with one of our traditional Disney do or don'ts. What do you have for us? All right. So I think we've said this before in other contexts, but really in a Genie Plus context, I want to remind everyone to not let perfect be the enemy of the good. And this goes double, maybe triple when the parks are busy like they were last week. I just found that I kept trying to get the perfect times. And what I would find is... It was just way too much stress. I would say one out of every three times I was trying to get the quote unquote ideal time for my family's touring plan, I would get it. But it was so much work. And then, you know, when you keep refreshing these times, it's like mentally stressful to see it. I'll give an example. Let's say I wanted something at 4 p.m., something like Buzz. That's not super difficult to get. I search for the return time and the return time is five. Okay. It's not that far off. But I, what I would do on this trip is I would just keep searching for four and then I would just slowly but surely watch the buzz times go from five to 505 to 510 to 515 and even though sometimes I would end up 
getting that 4 p.m. time, it was just anxiety inducing to see the return times back up. I should have been happy with the 5 p.m. times in the first place. And then with my family of five who was moving at a slow pace anyway, like 5 p.m. wasn't it, it was like a perfectly fine time because of how slowly we were moving anyway. So really don't let perfect be the enemy of the good. If you see a lightning lane return time, if you get one that somewhat fits in your schedule, just stick with it. Like I said before, don't cancel. Just leave it be and go with the schedule that you got. All right. Well said. All right. Well, hopefully that helps prepare any of you who are going to Disney World with your family anytime in the near future for navigating Genie Plus and Lightning Lanes and individual Lightning Lanes and figuring out the strategy that works best for you. If you have strategies that you find work for you and your family, please let us know. DisneyDeciphered at gmail.com at www.deciphered on Twitter or on Facebook and Instagram. Disney Deciphered. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Other than that, Leslie, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me and I will see you and I will see you sending me an email with your Genie Plus Lightning Lane desires so that I can book them for you at 7 a.m. when you're at Disney World. Thanks, Joe.